The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and the disciples went on and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, and taking it into Excuse me. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, save us by your name and vindicate us by your might. Hear our prayer, O God, give ear to the words of our mouths. Let them be words of truth, words of your sacrifice, words of your death, words of hope, words of your resurrection, your grace, your mercy, and your love. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What were you arguing about on the way? The disciples are in a little bit of a predicament here. Remember last week how we talked about the power that a word has. The ability of a word to build up or to destroy. And the power that how a word correctly or wrongly placed could make a drastic change in how upcoming events unfold. Here they are caught, and they know it. The disciples had argued about who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God, words that boasted of their strength, their faithfulness, their ability to heal more people than the other, words that were selfish, self-interested, further showing that they had no clue what that kingdom of God really looked like. Surely they thought of a great empire with Jesus at its head and themselves as lords, governors, rulers. They would have authority and power to lead vast numbers of people, to command demons to heal the sick, things that would give them a powerful reputation and make their name great. But who of us will be the greatest? And then Jesus talks about his suffering, his death. The betrayal that leads to his death. Himself being handed over as a lamb to the slaughter. Silent and innocent. He talks more about his death, but he also talks about his resurrection. That on the third day after being killed, he too would rise again. Something so straightforward to us, something that we hold so dearly. We, we repeat it in the creed every day. 
and every Sunday when we come to worship. The very death and resurrection of Jesus is what binds us together, holds us to Christ Jesus. But it's something not that clear on the front side of Calvary. It's unclear how Jesus can see all of these miracles that they're doing, look at all the sick people that they've helped, look at all of the good works done, and then look ahead and see himself walking up a hill with a cross. The words of hope that on the third day he would rise again fall on deaf ears. But why? Why is it that something so powerful so hopeful, so life-changing. A statement that says that even after death, I too will live. Why is that so hard to hear? It's hard to hear because the reality of Jesus dying in and of itself ruins the dreams that they have for themselves. If Jesus is dead, there's no earthly kingdom for them to be a part of, for them to rule, for them to take power in. If there's no earthly kingdom, if Jesus really dies, there's no riches, no power, no future. But they know better. They know better than to ask him about this because they saw what happened to Peter, as we read last week. Get behind me, Satan, for you do not speak of divine things, but of human things. So they remain quiet. But Jesus, being who he is, knowing how they are, asks them a question. Calls them out, if you will, on their arguing, their bitterness toward one another. And puts them in a position that they have to answer for now. Who's the greatest now? What's central to this passage is that when we argue about our own place, our own position, our own desire to be at the top of whatever it is we do, our own greatness, we undermine the kingdom of God and God's will for all creation. Jesus tells his disciples, he tells us, the place that matters is the one of service, the one of the lowly, the one of the humble, the one of the servant. Look at Pope Francis, this man who served as a bishop in the Roman Catholic Church in Argentina, elected to the highest office that that church provides a man called the Vicar of Christ, the very representation of Jesus Christ here on earth. For years, the position of Pope has been revered as one of greatness, one of power, one of authority, but before his election, Pope Francis could be seen in the slums, in the ditches, in the soup kitchens of Argentina, praying for the poor giving them food, making sure that they had medicine, caring for the sick, for the hungry. And now, after a year living in Rome, 
nothing's really changed, for him anyway. The media looks at the Pope and expects him to be someone who walks with his chest puffed out, with his head up in the air, with all the pomp and circumstance that comes with someone in such a position. But Francis spends his time sneaking out in the middle of the night, going to the soup kitchens, to the prisons, to the ditches of Rome, feeding the sick, the hungry, the thirsty, praying for them, touching them, hearing their stories. Just this past Easter, he was found in a prison washing the feet of the inmates who had come, telling them how much Jesus loved them, caring for them in their need. And this is just one story we hear every few weeks of something else that he does. He sneaks away from his guard and he goes to where the people are. Not to be seen, not to make his own name great, but to care for them, to love them, to show them that he really, truly does care for them. The one who considers the need of the neighbor, the stranger, the friend or the enemy, that person's the one who is the greatest in the kingdom. That person is the one with power and authority because they wield not a great name, but the love of God. A love that radiates outward. That is first peaceable, quiet and understanding. The greatest in the kingdom is the baptized. Now think about that. God's claim on our life through these waters have broken the power of sin and death that enslaves us to evil, that tears us apart, and give us through these waters, through the word, through the spirit, the freedom to be apart from those things that clothe us with the mercy of God and prepare us to be servants. That's what new life in Jesus means, living as people who are saved from sin and death, yes, but saved, freed, and clothed to go out, to be the lowly, to be the humble, to be the servant. The baptismal liturgy, which we will all recite here in a minute, says this of the newly baptized, the congregation and the church. We welcome you into the body of Christ and into the mission that we share. Join us in giving thanks to God and bearing God's creative and redeeming word to all the world. These waters in the word of Christ call us to a life of servitude, a life of humility, a life of giving thanks and praise to God in our worship and in our service to one another. These waters in the word Jesus Christ fill us and prepare us to go to our neighbor who is sick or who is hungry, who is poor, who is naked, or who is even dying, and prepares us 
to share with him the grace of Jesus Christ and his love. Pope Francis doesn't sneak out in the middle of the night to get publicity to increase his fame or to make his own name great among the world. Instead, he does it because he understands what that call, what that baptismal call has on his life. He goes to these places, he meets these people because he understands that it's not he who does these things, but Jesus Christ who lives in him, who lives in us, that feeds the sick, clothes the naked. And so we too share in this ministry the mission of God's kingdom that we welcome the child, the innocent, the vulnerable, the helpless into our midst and share with them a word about Jesus. And so we welcome Jesus. And so we welcome God. Harmony, this is the life that we welcome you into. Every one of us here, every Christian in this world, past, present, or future, share this with you. You are not alone. Welcome our sister in Christ Jesus. Enter into the joys of the kingdom of God and do not fear because we all journey through it together. Amen.